0: Six, a food podcast about Sacramento, where we talk to anyone working in the food industry in and around our city. Our goal is to take you behind the scenes and introduce you to the people who are making your favorite dining experiences happen. I'm your host, Max Connor. I'm a journalist and a longtime restaurant worker here in town. And I am joined by fellow journalist and very longtime restaurant worker, my co-host Neil Little. Neil, how's it going? I'm doing well, man, and I am very excited. Our guest today is a
1: master pizza maker, and I got to say pizza is one of my favorite things to make. About two years ago, my mom got me a pizza oven for I believe it was my birthday, and I dove into the art of making pizza dough after that, and just realizing how much you can make out of yeast, water, salt, and
0: flour has absolutely blown my mind. Max,
1: do you have any experience making uh, pizza dough?
0: Yeah, I've made a good amount of pizza dough at home. I've never done totally fresh dough out of starter i usually have used commercial yeast but it's always a lot of fun when we make it at home because my wife worked at a papa john's when she was younger she was actually like managed a papa john's when she was 17 and they actually spin their own dough there so they use fresh dough and her skills come right back she can toss it up in the air if she wants to do it that way she can just you know form it out on the counter perfectly and it it's funny to watch her muscle memory of you know 15 years ago come right back to her when she's making pizza That is a very valuable muscle memory to have. I'm quite jealous. I don't have anything like it. It is, yeah. When I try to make it, it's just a lumpy trapezoid on the counter, just disaster, thick on one end, thin on the other. It's terrible. It looks
1: more like an Easter egg than an actual pizza dough. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And on our show today, we are very excited to introduce you guys to the master pizza maker from Masulo Pizzeria off Riverside in Sacramento. They're a Neapolitan-style pizzeria and create some fantastic dishes with fresh ingredients from the
0: local area. Yeah, classic wood-fire pizza, super hot oven, and it was really fun to talk to Shannon because his story sort of starts so far afield of where he's ended up in his career as a chef. So this is kind of the story of dive bar bartender becoming a master pizza dough maker and even pizza maker because he's made a lot of pizzas in his career as well. So without going too much more into it let's jump right into our interview with Shannon McElroy and we started as we always do by asking him what food was like in his house growing up.
2: Food was huge when I like when I went on vacation I saw grandma I saw food how it was supposed to be made. And I mean, that started from a young age. And then I was lucky enough to have a stepfather that loved gourmet food. So I got to see like the difference between just your regular run of the mill blue cheese or say, since it was the seventies, Roquefort. And I started learning the difference of like what an almond tastes like and toasted, and that was like at eight, nine, 10 years old. I thought it was like a normal thing for all kids until high school. When some, somebody saw me cooking chorizo in a pan and they're all What's that in the pan? And I'm all chorizo, and they, it was like, I was speaking Spanish to them. They had no idea what I was talking about. And I'm like thinking everybody has chorizo, everybody has all this stuff. And it really wasn't that way in the community that I grew up in. So as a child, I guess would be the answer to that. I was influenced by the food that was introduced to me. Where
0: did your grandma live? What was her background? What type of food was um, she?
2: She was French and German. Her family were meat packers, but she had, she was a baker. So she would just bake at home, make fudges, candies, everything. And then every breakfast was like the best breakfast I ever had every morning. So of course I loved staying with my grandparents when I was a kid. Cause I got fed fat. Yeah. It was just like, all right, this is, I'm getting everything I want. And sure enough, that's again more of the food influence comes and that french style of of cooking and the german cooking i mean so i got all these sausages and krauts and all this great like the dutch baby pancakes for breakfast Mm. and then dinner was like hungarian goulash or it was like turned potatoes and i actually knew about turned potatoes before i even got into high school and people are like what are you talking about then finally in culinary oh tornade potatoes Uh, Ah. and then I started understanding what my, my grandmother was actually the one teaching me about how to cook without me knowing, just helping out and wanting to eat everything that was in the kitchen while she was doing it.
1: Like a food inception.
2: (laughs) That's right. Pretty much. So when I kind of messed up in college and decided what am I going to do, I ran off to culinary school in San Francisco and then ran around Northern California a little bit and ended back here in Sacramento, which is where my family is, so... I just started cooking here. And then I met Robert Mazzullo, who's a owner of the restaurant and the chef. And he kind of mentored me through getting to know pizza dough and stuff. And I wouldn't say I mastered it yet because it's ever changing, but I understand a lot of the concepts now behind, it's not just throwing water together with salt, together with flour and, and mixing it together and coming up with this perfect dough. You've got to understand the temperatures and all kinds of different, the level of salt that you put in a dough is going to affect your rise and your fall and how long you use a starter. If you're using a starter, if you're making a poolish dough, it depends on what kind of dough you want. I prefer the natural.
0: Yeah. Natural starter dough. Okay. So take us back to to college a little bit. sounds like you left college or it wasn't for you or flunked out or
2: whatever. No, you take a, you take a hill boy that has 300 people around him. Most of the time, and you slam them into a place that has 30 to 40,000 people running them around, and they're all your age. I tended to lean more towards let's go party than lean towards let's put our nose to the grindstone. Sure. But then if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have found restaurant business, which is what I ended up doing in the long run anyways. So I got got in there, noticed I was good at it. Chef's going, you should go to chef school. People are going you know, how to wait on tables without taking notes, without doing anything. And you've only been doing this for like three months and I'm all, well, it's easy. They tell you what they want. You go back, you tell the kitchen what they want (laughs) and then they give you stuff. And I guess I took that type of approach with waiting tables and bartending and stuff. It's, they're telling you what you want right off the get go. And all you have to do is either open up a book and look at what it is and then use your method or memorize the method. Mm And it's pretty much that way all the way through with everything in the culinary business for the most part, just getting exposed to a lot of stuff. I've probably forgotten more that I've learned.
1: Sure. Where was the first restaurant that you worked at where you got the experience to be a chef?
2: Hmm. I guess that would be Key Largo in Sacramento before I, when I came down to stay with my, my mom during the summer on my 18th birthday, Key Largo had just opened. I was like, all right, I went from the kitchen to on the floor next thing you know they even though I was 18 they were telling me I could wait I was like sure just I went to it and they let me work in the kitchen and work on the floor I mean it was only a summer job before I r- ran off to college but I was like okay this could be something and I knew I had the skills then because I was already picking up stuff and then also I god in high school I worked at the headquarter house so it was like I was a busboy in a Dishwasher. I didn't see myself being a chef then when I was toting around glasses and giving people water and clearing tables. It didn't seem, yeah, this is what I want to do. But I was making bank for a 16 year old kid. So I was just like, all right.
1: It was in your blood and you didn't yeah. even know it. <laughs> How was, old were you when you went off to culinary
2: school in San Francisco? Let me see. I was 21, 20. Is no, that about I, an average, I just
1: turned 21. Is that about a normal starting age or is it varying Um, community college?
2: It was weird because going to a culinary school, like half of your people are like young kids that want to grow up in the business. And then half of your kids are like people that have always wanted to be a chef that are like in their forties that have already had a career and they're like, I'm going to do what I want now. So the classes were split between all these young kids who could tote around everything and do all the work and all that stuff but didn't have the patience that these older people had or the, I guess just the work ethic in general to, to do the job. And so you take these kids with all these energy and you mix them with these guys, all of a sudden you start learning. All right. So if I'm going to be really good in this business, I have to be able to bust ass, but I have to be patient enough to observe what's going on. So you kind of learn from the older people in culinary school at the same time, they kind of use us to tote around all the stuff like, that 80 quart bowl. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 45 year old lady is not going to want to take that off of the, off the mixer and put it on the rack to move it over. So she calls over the young kids and they just bam, bam. So it was give and take with with that stuff. But yeah, if it wasn't for some of the older people, I would have just blown baking altogether because it was my worst subject when I was there. I didn't like baking. It was actually making pizza that taught me how to start baking and making different things, like empanadas and focaccia and then sourdough bread and making pastries. And then all of a sudden I got into, okay, this isn't bad and I can do this. This is fun. But yeah, culinary school, I was all about wanting to be the Saucier and doing all the, all the fun stuff, mm-hmm. all the flash and show, but yeah, that's basically my track through culinary school. And that was just eight hours a day, five days a week, just pound through it. And then I would go to work on two days on Fridays and Saturdays at, at a nightclub to make actually really good money to, so I could survive monthly.
0: What were some of your first jobs out of culinary school?
2: I got recruited to go to Carmel to Pebble Beach Lodge. And I was all pumped. I'm going to get to work in club 19. I'm going to, they were like some of the best in, in Northern California. And I'm thinking, yeah. And then they set me up on a bar cart. <laughs> um, because I had bartending experience and they needed a bar person instead of a cook. So I was bummed. So I went to work for another place called Giuliano's in Carmel and I worked at a bar at night so I could still get into a kitchen somewhere and the bar is still open, but the Giuliano's closed. And then my then girlfriend got transferred to Sacramento to go through to Sac State to the CPA program. So I followed her up here and got in at Delta King as a sous chef. And that was a terrible experience. Then let me see, actually it was mum's first and then it was Delta King. Cause mum's was fun. It was a vegetarian place here in Sacramento. Ironically, it is now called dad's. It was mostly vegan, vegetarian. And I was a big carnivore, there's a McDonald's across the street, so I would be eating a cheeseburger as I walked into the vegetarian place to, <laughs> to make these people a bunch of food. A quality cheeseburger, too. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> then, let me see, then it was Delta King, a sous chef, just a terrible, terrible place to work. And then I decided I would go back into bartending, and I bartended for 19 years, and then I got back into cooking again. My wife said she's not going to marry a bartender, so... There it was. I was like, okay, I guess I can fall back on what I went to school for, which brought me back to cooking, which actually makes me way more happy than I ever was as a bartender. Mm. Bartender, I started to get surly at the end, but it might've been the bars I was working into. I wasn't working in class establishments. It was <laughs> more of the neighborhood dive bar type of thing.
1: Oh, um, but those are the funnest places.
2: <laughs> yeah, funnest
0: uh, and saddest at the same time.
2: Yes, yeah. 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 Oh, every time you would hear, who is it? Who does Crazy? The song Crazy. There's a few um, of them. Aerosmith. Crazy. I'm crazy for feeling so bad. Oh, is that? What's her? Um, what's the it's the classic? With Cash. She was.
0: What is her main name? She's like most no famous guys, old school right. female country right. singer. And, and that's it's not. It's
1: slipping my. Dolly Parton? No, uh, it's like Patsy
2: Cline. Uh, Patsy Cline. That's it. I hate um, to admit,
1: the only crazy I know, I think, is Britney
2: Spears.
0: Well, I said Aerosmith, uh, oh. so that puts us in. The same yeah. Yeah, where we are, yeah.
2: <laughs> but that Patsy Cline song would come on the jukebox. And I guarantee you look over and you would see some lady with her head down in a beer, sobbing about something. Mm. And they're Ooh. usually the most surly of people to approach at a bar to ask, can I get you something more? Are you okay, miss? Whatever it is usually comes back with a hard reaction. So you gotta be ready to, to bear the punches of the bartender. And that was just. That's the bar game for you, in, in my mind.
0: You're um, everyone's therapist. Right. How long ago was that that you left bartending and started getting back into the kitchen?
2: <sighs> I would guess about 10 years, 11 years now. Okay. So
0: does that mean you kind of miss the, the new wave of sort of craft cocktails really coming back into town? Yeah, I was
2: like the crazy nightclub bartender to start with. It's like, give us 60 Purple Hooters, and you're just there shaking for hours. <laughs> And then it was like the kamikazes and I started with the, like the ginger cognac cocktail type of thing that you're, some of the people were playing with earlier and then I got out of the bar game. It was over. No. Then I went to dive bars to tell you the truth. Mm. Cause I was out on the Virgin Sturgeon for a long, I don't know if that's a dive bar though. The Virgin, Sturgeon, it's a river dive bar. It's
1: a river bar. Yeah. yeah no, there's um, a different distinction to them.
2: But yeah, it was like lots of Mai Tais, lots of beers. Jimmy Buffett-esque. Yeah. <laughs> very, very much so. That's yep. a great r- way to explain these people. Uh, and I'm
1: a parrot head myself, <laughs> but that is a particular type of person. <laughs> um,
2: but yeah, after that, then I came to dive bars and that's where you see the saddest things in the world. And then I was done because I was becoming, what do you want? What can I get for you? Yeah. Um, just surly as all hell. Um, throwing change at people instead of giving them their change when they walk away. You know. You knew it was your time. <laughs> it was time for me to get up. Now, is that when you made the jump over to Masulo? No, I worked with my wife. She was the general manager of a organic farm. I ran a farm stand and did, tried to get out of the game, and it drove me nuts. So I went back to cooking, and that's when I went to Missoula. And then worked for him for a while, opened up a restaurant called The Federalist and tried the corporate thing, then ended back up at Masulo again. It's, it's my happy spot.
1: Like that's what's most important to find.
0: Right. Yeah, indeed.
1: So, how would you describe the pizza that you make at Masula? Because there's so many different varieties of doughs and approaches. How would you describe their approach to it?
2: We are technically Neapolitan. Neapolitan. Okay. Although we're not like Neapolitan certified, we still use the same Caputo dough or flour. We still, or we use Caputo and Central Milling now because Caputo got super expensive recently, so we're mixing them. But the Caputo makes. You make your starter, two-day fermentation. It's just basically the same thing as what sourdough bread is, just with different flour and and different degrees of water and hydration.
1: So for those listening, how would you describe a Neapolitan pizza? What, what are the distinctions it's of it? It's
2: very thin. It's got a nice puffy crust. It's got black blistering going all the way on the outside and on the bottom. It's not overcooked on the bottom. Otherwise, you're just making a damn tortilla. They will be softer. They... They not necessarily flop a lot, but they will flop a little. It's airy crust. You get that little hit of sour from the two-day fermentation, although it's technically not sourdough. Pure ingredients, I guess, is the best way of usually put on it, like straight tomatoes, San Marzano tomatoes, virgin olive oil, sea salt. And then it's stuff like anchovies, straight basil, fresh mozzarella, or when you go through it. Technically, that's what Neapolitan is. I'm kind of the the out-of-the-box guy at the restaurant. The boss is kind of more of the traditionalist. So I'm the guy that wants to put smoked chicken and mustard mashed potatoes and sauerkraut on a pizza. My boss is the guy that says, no, 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 it's going to be just anchovy oil and sea salt. Why can't both be true at the same time? (laughs) Um, So he's wanting to follow what true Neapolitan is. I'm wanting to go the other way.
1: And they're um, cooked... It, sorry,
2: go ahead. So we go his way. Sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense.
1: So you guys, it's at 900 degrees is the
2: oven? How hot, how hot do you guys cook it? We're at 932. Traditionally, 932. it's... 932.
0: Yeah, We're it's at a, about 932. Yeah. G- give or take.
2: <laughs> traditionally, it's 1,000 degrees. Wow. So we've dropped it, but traditionally, you can cook it in about a minute, minute and a half. We're more like a three minute per okay. pie. Three to four, depending on... The oven will vary, and it takes a really good pizziolo to, to look and be able to go, okay, that oven's at such and such temperature. I know by how far the hair was burnt back on my arm when I worked <laughs> the oven. But, yeah, and then you just learn to rotate the spots on the oven to get the proper blistering where you want it with cold turns of the pizza. What's mm. the heat source in the oven? We use almond wood. Okay. It's got the highest BTU, and it holds the heat the best. You can use walnut. You can, well, technically you can use any wood, but you're going to get varying degrees and not stable temperatures and different flavors that you might not want, depending on what you're burning.
0: What do they use in Italy in classic almond. Neapolitan? Is almond. it almond?
2: Almond or olive, or okay. a combination of both. Makes sense.
0: Back to that olive. It's coming back again. That's right. Yeah. And so now today you primarily are, you're the dough the I'm, dough master. You yeah, yeah I'm like the dough master
2: doing prep, making desserts. It's kind of kickback. I work with no one. so It's I'm the not restaurant interested. job. Right. It's It, right. it literally is. Not I get there early, at 7, I late. leave at 3. I'm like, bye oh. guys, have fun cooking everything else. Because I'm the one that makes the dough. I'm the one that makes the sauce, the cheese, gets it prepped. Pretty much all they have to do is walk in and make a couple things and just go to town making, mm. making food for people.
0: What kind of desserts are you making right now?
2: Uh, let's see. I did a lemon posset today, chocolate <laughs> pudding today. Oatmeal currant ice cream sandwiches with toasted almonds. We have something that makes me laugh. The boss calls whiskey balls, but the, it's mocha with oatmeal cookie crumbs in butter. And then we roll them into into balls and, and mix it with the cocoa first, of course, and then roll them into balls. And it gives it a little whiskey cocoa bite when you, when you eat it. Yeah. No, it's, it's, they're good. Let me see. I'm in the midst of doing a key lime pie in a jar type of thing. That's about it on our desserts. Are you, oh, de- are you developing the cream. recipes for, de- for desserts or yeah. is it, yeah, oh, yeah, that's you? That's what the, the key lime pie ones. No, my boss will do it too. He, he does ca- coffee cakes every once in a while. He'll do, what is it, strawberry rhubarb galettes. He'll play with different things. What's the most creative
1: pizza you've made there that Robert has let you get away with?
2: Oh, yeah. And most of the creative ones I did at Federalist, he he doesn't really let me play that much. I make suggestions and he goes, like, I wanted to do a lotus, you know, the corn. Yeah. But on a pizza with, what are they, chickpeas, but in harissa. Okay. And -hmm. put that down as your base and then put the lotus corn and sprinkle the cojita cheese and everything on top after you've toasted them all up with some fresh cilantro. I think that would be pretty grub and good. Uh, Um, Yeah. But, yeah, he's like, we could do something like that. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you
0: could you could do that. Theoretically, that's a possibility. So tell us a little bit about the Federalist.
2: I went there. I opened it. I worked it for almost two years. The boss was supposed, supposed to open up more. And it was going to help increase my, but we kind of held back and didn't do it. And that was like, all right, I was promised that this was going to happen, but it didn't. And then I wasn't getting medical or any of that. And I was like, okay, I need at least medical and stuff and it wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so I I had to, I went to Nugget, which was terrible because it was like, Nugget's a great company, but I was not a fit. It was open the cans and put in the pans or it gets the hose again. Um, (laughs) And yeah, you would get written up for making a mistake or for not cooling stuff properly. And I'm like, yeah, I had it in the chiller. It was cooled down. Um, and they're all, no, this person saw this. So now you got people telling on you. And I'm just like, I don't want to work in a place like this. Yeah. Um, in a restaurant, I would just make sure they got shitty tables. Um, <laughs> I'd give them a plate that was a million degrees. But that's when I went back to, to Missoula. Actually, I went to. Mendocino um, for a year during the COVID. And I was working a plush assignment. I mean, I was making pizza in a concert area in the Redwoods and I had nothing but all these concert goers watching me twirl pizza and go, Ooh, I'll take one of those. And being all I got to show off, which is where I got good at tossing pizza, getting the proper rotation on it. So you get an even, even crust. And I was like, yeah, I nailed this down and it took one summer, but then COVID hit. So I came back here and got back to Missoula. What is your personal favorite pizza? Um, my personal favorite. Like Dough Up. Yeah. From Dough Up, I'm, I'm a Neapolitan guy. I love our, our, our crust. It just rocks it. Um, I like no sauce, fontina, mozzarella. Then I like a little bit of oil and fresh garlic. Then you put down Spanish chorizo and toast it that way. Pull it out, put fresh arugula with lemon and olive oil on top Mm -hmm. of it. And right there. You get your salad, you get your meat, you get your your cheese, you get your bread. I'm just like, yes. All in one bite. And it tastes like, it tastes like Doritos, literally. From everything from the pepper of the arugula all the way through the taste of the Spanish chorizo through the garlic and the sourdough. You take a bite and you're like, oh my God, that almost tastes like a Dorito. It's the smell of it, same, or buttered popcorn. It smells like one of the two when it comes out of the oven.
1: That sounds delicious. It's a
2: it's a trip. Um, but, yeah, by far my favorite pizza, the one I would do most of the time. Although we make a persiade sauce, which is a parsley-anchovy thing, that's really tasty, too, with that same base. So it would be a hard choice on that one. Although a little bit of prosciutto on the one with prosciutto is pretty good. What's the
0: What's the craziest pizza you've made for a family meal or you made at the Federalist where you almost went, I don't think uh, this is going to work, and then you went, oh, my God, this works.
2: I did, um, I call it my tongue and cheek pizza. I did the regular sourdough, and then I put down a beet base, a roasted beet base on the bottom instead of, like, a tomato sauce. Mm-hmm. And then I did poached lamb's tongue and guanciale with... Um, Fromage Blanc, which is almost like a, a soft ricotta style cheese. What's the guanciale? Um, guanciale is a pork cheek. Okay. Which is cured. So it was tongue in cheek, um, <laughs> was literally my pizza. <laughs> and that was probably one of the more off the wall ones. I did it for a King's night because the, the beet base gave it this purple. purple color with the white from the, from the cheese. And then the, you've got the meat, the lamb and the pork on it. So it was tasty. Yeah. I would never think of a beet sauce on a pizza. That's yeah, fantastic. No, no, it was awesome. Oh, I've done all kinds of things. I mean, steamed clams on top of a like a... a like a white a, pie? A, a Mornay, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Um, with a little fennel and ricard pastis in there, so it gets that little licorice pop and fresh garlic, almost like a mole fritz. Just the base thickened and put on the bottom of a pizza and then put the, the clams on top after I steamed them in the oven. And the Federalist was fun that way because the oven's in the dining room, so everybody gets to see... That was a
1: really cool setup there. I I did like being able to watch everything going on and the open kitchen. It's
2: hard when you have a bunch of drunks that just got off the beer bike to get them to understand. I'm going to smack you with this pole in the head if you don't move out of my way. I'm (laughs) making a pizza right here. Those beer bikes are just a special group of people by themselves. They are. Yeah. Yeah. Because those walk-in 40s, you got to love 40 people ordering all the food. Why is it taking 15 minutes? Yeah. I've been here 15 minutes. I want... Are you fucking kidding?
1: <laughs> oh, you're... Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And the entitlement of them, too. Oh, yeah. We're here giving you business. Well, hold on here. No, you're... Gi- shots. You're here giving me a headache. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so, what are some things that you
2: like to cook at home when you're not at the restaurant? Oh. Um, I made a Caesar last night. Well, it's funny. When we were up at Reno... We had a guy do tableside Caesar and I used to work at Gary and she's, all, he's so good at it. He's, and I'm like, really, really? <laughs> really? So I came home with the anchovies, bop, 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 smashed them in the, did the whole thing, rubbed the garlic <gasps> on the bowl and oh. did all that for her and, and dished it up. And she's all, this is really good. And I did chicken and ch- chimichurri and then grilled it and, slice that up for our protein and she's like oh this is really good and I'm like so he's amazing and great and I got you're really good okay <laughs> I understand a homemade
1: Caesar I've only had one Caesar made table side for me but it was absolutely just an entire experience have you ever had that
0: happen I have never had that happen. oh it's no. worth
1: it it's a it's a fun experience especially if you have a good server doing it too you don't want someone to just kind of do it in front of you and walk away but like talk you through everything it's really really fun
2: yeah, I was lucky enough to, beginning of my restaurant business days, I got to work a restaurant that had curia dome. So I was made a captain and I had to do the tableside side flambes and the salads. And the, we also did like wilted salad, a couple pastas, the uh, scampi, steak Diane, steak au poivre, all the classics. And then the desserts, the banana flambé, mm-hmm. crepe Suzette, Bananas Foster. But yeah, I've burnt my bangs back a couple times because it was the early 80s then. Um, <laughs> using maybe a touch too much brandy on the... Touch too the much burner. hairspray as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Didn't but hurt a show. Why does the restaurant smell like burnt hair? I have no idea, sir. (laughs) We continued
0: on to talk about all different kinds of pizzas. Chili Verde pizza that he'd made, pizza with potatoes where he poached them in bacon fat, all kinds of stuff. So we cut a little bit of that out because we could have talked about pizza forever, and we kind of did. And we jumped right in to where we always like to end the interview with some rapid-fire food questions, starting with Shannon's favorite guilty
2: pleasure. Yes. Rapid
1: fire. What is your guilty
2: pleasure? Ice yeah. cream. Ice cream. Yeah, What's ice your flavor? Cream big time. Um, flavors. Actually. Okay. I like, <laughs> I What's like, your brand? Yeah, I like the Ben and Jerry's because okay. I will do that every once in a while. And it's the Steve Colbert the Americone. Oh, it's yeah. The Americone Dream? Yeah, drink? yeah it's my favorite. Solid.
1: Now, I have an issue. Did you know those are like two and a half servings? Because no, they're not. They're one serving
0: yeah.
2: at one oh, time. Yeah. yeah, I know. You
1: look on the back on the nutritional value, it's yeah, two and a half no. servings. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Just give me the real numbers. I'm already going to do this. For yeah, who? Sad,
0: sad <laughs> moment in my life is about three years ago, I went and got, I, one of mine is peanut butter chocolate Haagen-Dazs, and mm. they went through a product inflation, which is when they shrink the product rather than inflate <laughs> sure. the price. And I picked up a Haagen-Dazs pint, and right away I was like, this isn't a pint. <laughs> <laughs> I had that You're much, me off. That much money. It was like, you know, an ounce less than what a pint was, and I even tweeted about it. And Hangados retweeted at me and was like, "Yeah, well, you know, you want the price to stay the same, so we just gave you a little less." I did say sla- I wanted the
1: price to stay the same. <laughs> I have an I issue want, here. That's right. Here's
0: a quarter. Yeah, exactly. I'll pay it.
2: More ice cream, please. I'm sorry. Yeah. So Americone Dream. Anything uh, else? Um, I mean, if I go classic, it's like Rocky Road. Okay. Um, for the most part that's about it
0: what is the dish from childhood you wish you could go back
2: and back in time oh, And i yet. already talked about those dutch dutch babies those pancakes oh, oh, dutch babies. Yeah. Dutch babies. Yeah, yeah tell people true. what a dutch baby is like a eggy pancake type of substance my grandmother used to cook it in a dutch oven and then put it in the oven and let it get all golden brown so it was it looked like you were getting something served from the Flintstones. It was this giant bowl of butter and syrup that was put. In front it of grows us. up the sides right. to almost create like a cavern. Exactly, um, and then she would take powdered sugar and just go crazy, make it snow. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I would be probably hyper for about three hours, and then take a <laughs> six-hour nap after that. But that with the bacon, I mean, fresh bacon and a Dutch baby, I was just like, okay, Grandma, thanks. Yay.
1: It's your night off. What is like one of your favorite spots to go in Sacramento?
2: Okay. Um, Let's see. We go through a rotation kind of, but my favorite of them, it would be a close call between Jamie's that is by us. Yeah, it would probably be Jamie's to tell you the truth. On Broadway? Yeah. Yeah. They have great sandwiches. They Prime rib night's always great, fun. I mean, who doesn't like a large hunk of meat with a bunch of salt on the outside? That's I like it as rare as they possibly can get it with a bunch of horseradish cream, mm. baked potato, and yeah, I'm in heaven with that. That's the perfect. Sleeping meal well for that me. night. Oh yeah. Do <laughs> you
0: have a favorite food movie?
2: Oh, there we go. That's a good one. Food movies. Okay. The so jam and salmon is pretty damn funny. Waiting is pretty funny. Love mm-hmm. waiting. Um and Salmon, that, I mean, when the waiters are describing the food, it's just hysterical, and the chef's trying to move the stuff out. There's just so much stuff that a person that has actually worked in a restaurant business would go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I've seen that. Oh, yeah, I've smelt that. Yep.
1: Waiting is is yeah. equal part fiction and documentary. Like a lot, not they exploit and then exaggerate on some things, but there's a lot of things that yeah, the, actually really happens. The feelings in
2: really the language are a lot. Yeah. The same, I've actually like the- been on the line, looking at the clock going, and hearing the bells on the door oh, open, yep. um, just like that <laughs> same scene. I've I've been there. I've already closed down my station. I've already put down all the pasta. Oh my god. Or, yeah, you see the door open and all the
1: servers look at each other like, uh-uh, not my table. That's right. That's <laughs> <exactly> <laughs> you see right.
2: these eyes dart all around the
0: restaurant like, I'm going to get out of here as quick as I can. Yeah. Well, Shannon McElroy of Missoulo, thank you so much for joining us on the of course, time Of course, it was fun. Yeah, Thanks right for on.
2: having me.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. I am starving right now, and I definitely could use a slice of pizza right now. That was a fantastic interview.
0: It was. It was really fun. His story... You know it just it never ceases to amaze me the more we interview chefs and we interview people everybody has an interesting story to tell and yeah i just i love the path that he took to get where he is today where he has just a really fun cushy as we said in the interview the best restaurant job ever it's not early in the morning he doesn't work late he just works midday by himself and probably listens to music and podcasts and makes dough and desserts like i What could be better than that? Tough life, right? You know, it's funny.
1: When I think about restaurant people, I think about the meme where it shows like the straight line of success from A to B, but then you look on the other side and it's a whole squiggly line of going every other which direction. I feel like that's the (laughs) path of success for restaurant people. We dabble in every step and way and shape and form in restaurants, but we learn a lot and it's a fun way to go about it. One of the things I was definitely very intrigued that he explained to us was just how the Neapolitan dough, the characteristics of it, uh, my personal favorite kind of pizza is a Detroit style pizza, which is like the thick style on a focaccia d- on a f- like thick focaccia style dough. What, what kind of pizza do you like?
0: That, man, that's a hard question. Um, I like you know what, I think cause it was what I ate is from my childhood. I kind of just like sort of standard bready round table, you know, mountain mics. Like, you know, when I, if I go to a good restaurant, I love a good wood fire Neapolitan pizza, but I'll crush You know, sort of your standard. I don't know what it is. California, just kind of bready, crunchy, thin crust pizza. Uh, I'm sort of a sucker for that as Uh,
1: well. Now, let me clarify I've never said no to any kind of pizza. I just
0: happen to like some more than others. Yeah. So that's exactly right. And we're really lucky here. What struck me too is just I started thinking about all the different pizza joints in Sacramento and. There's a lot of good pizza to be had in Sacramento. And
1: they're all different in their own respective ways, which I really appreciate as well. They can offer you such a different variety of doughs and types and flavors, and I really appreciate that.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. You can get any kind of pizza you want. We were even talking about the fact that there's now these sort of Indian-inspired pizzas where you can get, you know, butter chicken pizza or chicken tikka pizza, and they're delicious. Pizza Twist. had it the other night. It was good, and it caught me off guard, and I will definitely be back. Well, if you like this episode, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating, or review. It really helps new people find the show. Or even better, we're a local show. So send it to some local folks. Send it to friends, family, people you know in the restaurant industry and have them take a listen. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Both handles are at Dine16. And if you have any questions or suggestions or ideas, you can reach out to me at max at Dine16.com. Also, I've said this in the past, but it's now finally there. You can listen to all our episodes on YouTube, if that's where you like to listen to podcasts, as well as anywhere you get your podcasts. Our opening and closing theme music are by my brother-in-law, Mark Owens. The Dine One Six is a production of the Hear Me Now Studio in Sacramento. Join us next week for a new guest. Until then, as always, eat something you love with someone you love.